Blog Talk Radio. like to welcome everybody to Blog Talk Radio and Vibe Time with Jerry. Um, we have Paranormal Roundtable tonight, but before we get started with John Savage, Dennis Eslock, and David Flowers in our discussion, I would like to, or we want to send our thoughts and prayers out to John Stevens, um, learning that his mother passed away this morning. So, John Stevens, I just want you to know that we are thinking about you and our condolences and, you know, we, uh, prayers, hugs, you're in our thoughts, if you happen to be our on-the-air show at some point. John, don't hesitate to reach out to any one of us and be more than happy to help you, brother. Definitely. Definitely. So, just wanted you to know that. And Donna, too, in case Donna's watching his sister, um, thinking about you. I forgot, since we're not sponsored, I have to cross out any Vanessa, how are you? <laughs> now, where do you see that people are joining? Because I, I, I shit. Hi, right I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying to remove it. I'm debating whether or not I want to remove it off of my wall because it's everybody's going between Vibe Time and David Flowers' page. So I'm trying to decide what I want to do if I want to just remove it from my wall completely to cut down on any type of confusion. Hello. Can you see the comments at all from Ronnie or Vanessa? Yeah. Okay. I can. Dennis? Hi, Kimmy. Love you. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Hey, you know, if I look like I'm confused, it's because one screen is 
Frozen cameras. And now, uh, John, that really isn't a good look on your face because right now you look like. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just frozen on my screen. So <laughs> <laughs> you just keep looking at my good looking face. All right, yeah. He always goes to, Ronnie always goes to David Flowers' page, the nice guy. Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. Maybe I'll do that because the one on Jerry's page was frozen. Oh, now it's moving again. It's moving again, yeah. So that's what I was debating on, whether to just keep just keep it on vibe time with Jerry and David Flowers' page and leave it off of mine altogether. That yeah. way... David could set up the stream yard every week, no problem. It's not like he doesn't have anything to do. Yeah. Keep it up, I'll, I'll just fire you back on with David. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we'd actually have a round fucking table. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, you're gonna you're gonna get him on the show. Wow, Thales, leave it to Dennis to be the asshole. I know. I don't know why it's it's not it's nothing new. Yeah, instead of comic relief, Dennis is the asshole relief. <laughs> Almost got that water out of her. <laughs> and don't call me ex life for nothing. <laughs> about you and your 7-Eleven, your 7-Eleven go fuck your mother incident. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I sure did. I'm going to have to use that line probably tomorrow morning. I'll tell you, that poor dude was... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's priceless. Yeah. How do you stop an asshole dead in his tracks? Tell him to go push his uncle out the door and fuck his mother. <laughs> <laughs> he was completely speechless. Meanwhile, I just chuckled. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> man. Totally Wait, maybe, maybe that's why I get called an asshole. No, no, no that can't be it. That that's not it. it. <laughs> Could be. Uh, I just, you know, I think I figured it out. When I hit 50 a few years ago, mm-hmm. the field that I grew all of my fucks went barren. <laughs> I am all out of fucks to give. Yeah. And I, I think I think most that are over the age of about 50 can pretty much agree that's exactly what happens. You, you kind of hit that cutoff point where they're like, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. I, I've, I've tried so many years and so many times to be the nice guy or nice person. Uh, let's let's keep it gender gender neutral because I know there are females that I mean I've heard tell of females that were trying to be nice anyway. Uh, I mean don't look at any of my exes for a reference on that one. <laughs> but I think all of us reach a point where we just don't. I don't have to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. Yep. 
I don't have to be politically correct. I'm not running for office. And not a damn one of them that I end up insulting or angering has signed a single receipt for a bill paid that I have right. coming into my household. So, Right. Yeah, if you don't pay my bills, shut the fuck yep. up. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa That's said it. that she agrees not one single fuck remains in me. <laughs> All the fucks that I had, they, they, they just fucked off. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make a new t-shirt. I'm over 50. My fuck feel dried up. <laughs> yeah, you got to write down, write down all the t-shirt slogans. <laughs> I see why. Well, I, I 
think it would be interesting in the simple fact that you got a response from the device. Yeah. Whether you knew what the hell the response was or not. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got I've got little push buttons that are kind of like the remember I don't know uh, Office Max or something the easy button. I've got them that you record your voice on. So I have a green one and a red one. Yes and no. And I record my voice onto it, and then I flip the switch, and it goes to play. So every time you hit the button, it either says yes or no. So that's kind of cool, too. No, no, I was kind of just sitting around playing a video game a couple days ago, and it's like, I wonder if we could use Morse code. Because, you know, you would think that there would be some spirits out there who would know Morse code. Oh, heck yeah, ham radio. They were yeah. on radio. Yeah, I love that's. Yeah, that would and be cool. If, and even if you say, you know, it's not in total Morse code, you know, dot dot dash dot dot. You know, you can say if you're here, press it twice, dot dot, or dot dash, or. Mm. I mean, wouldn't that that would prove that they're understanding what you're talking about? They can hear you. Two, it's an intelligent communication, and they're doing a live response versus flicker the light if it turns, you know, if, if it's a yes or no. Yeah. And the machines are pretty reasonable. Oh, you can make them, you know, with stuff around the house. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan said best and most accurate equipment for picking up movement. Yeah. That's I think that would depend on what type of movement. Footsteps and um, Definitely power. Yeah. Um, vibration. Um, anything that can sense, sense vibration on the on a surface. Yeah, that's fine unless you have slight geomagnetic um, disturbance, you know, a, a slight tremor or something in the earth, and then you would have to be tagged into the U.S. Geological Society to know 100%. Was it localized or period? Well, I just thought maybe using the seismograph, but those things are so sensitive and a car drives by will set it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, your phones, well, I know my phone, there's an app available for vibration sensor, and I've utilized it before. Um, People are starting to experiment with old black and white TVs for visual and their communication at the same time. I've seen some pretty good yes. examples from people experimenting with this technique. Now, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, what I've been doing, I've seen that as far back as the 80s. Yeah. Now, what I've been doing is taking my old box, radio suite, and hook it straight up to the input on the TV. And the audio from the S-Box gives me a visual picture, which is just static, on the analog TV. And if you freeze frame it, in theory, you're supposed to see images. It's the same stuff that they used to do back in the 80s and 90s, electronic video phenomena, where you take a camera, you point it to the TV itself, so you're recording a picture of a picture of a picture basically infinity, and then you play it back frame by frame, and you're supposed to see anomalies, faces, places, things like that. Yep. I remember 
but this is using the S box the SP7. So you're taking the audio of it and giving it a visual picture. Yeah, just translating that, that speaker output into a static signature. Yep. Um, so let's go back to Ronnie's question as well on best and most accurate equipment for picking up movement. I don't I don't have a whole lot of faith in most of the modern electronic gadgetry simply because none of it's really designed or well, you can't really design an instrument to monitor something that you don't know truly exists. I love fishing line and, and small bells. Um, and a little scotch tape, fishing line across the hallway and some bells hanging on it. That's hard as hell to debunk. Um, uh, floor, yeah, the flower or talcum powder on the floor is a great way to do it. Um, obviously, a seismometer that you know, even on your phone works fine. Um, you know, those are decent for movement. As far as movement of you know papers or things that are sitting on the table, pretty much all we have. And I, I honestly think UV um, full spectrum light works better than IR for catching a lot of anomalies. Um, so, I mean, I, I would rather have a full-spectrum camera than just an IR camera. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there's, I mean, I was just looking right now online, and there's equipment out there to detect vibration and kill. I mean, I, I know, like, uh, when you're doing, like, uh, volcanoes and stuff, they have to measure the vibration and, and tilt angles. But you can buy stuff you know, anywhere from you know, 161 bucks to you know, four or five thousand dollars, and these are scientific devices that's calibrated. But who of us in this field is going to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a instrument that's going to measure vibration? What about motion detective cameras? I'm not a tech girl, but would that work? That's from Vanessa. Yeah. I mean, there's home video, ca uh, home security cameras mm -hmm. that are activated by the slight movement because it's breaking the IR beam. And it'll just activate and turn it on. So, yeah. A little low cost, $30, $35 wise cameras. And mm -hmm. I've yeah. got four or five, six of them. They work as well. Um, the trouble is trying to make sure that it's actually an anomalous movement and not a static interference in the camera that causes it to come on for whatever reason. Um, now, here we go, Steve White. Would love to get your thoughts on motion-activated cat balls. Sounds like lots of people are starting to shy away from using them here recently because of their sensitivity of people walking around or a movement of a foot possibly activating one. With any equipment, there is always the possibility that one of the investigators or guests can trigger movement from it. Yeah. But I have gotten up and walked around within a foot of the cat balls and not got anything for a response out of it. Typically, you almost have to touch that ball to make it light up. Does that mean that's a guarantee? No. Nothing in this field is a guarantee. But I think the cat balls are a pretty good representation of movement activity simply because
hard to get a false reaction on. Not impossible, but they are hard to do. What if we took a cap ball, put the sensor out of it, and just place it on the floor or on, let's say, a rubber mat, and see if we get a hit, if, if it activates? We can try that. Hell, I've got half a dozen of them in my tear case. Mm-hmm. I'll have one sitting side by side, one with the cap ball, one with out inside the ball itself on a rubber mat so it doesn't move. I think I got one. And, and see what happens between, what's the difference between them? Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Obviously, not just on an investigation, but you could do it at home and see what the hell's going on. Hey, John, hey, John. how are you? Yeah. John, but yeah, I mean, if, if you were to set just the sensor on, um, you know, like think about the the drawer liner, you know, little crosshatch rubberized drawer liner that you'd mm-hmm. put your silverware drawer or something. Put it on that. Put the cat ball on the same thing, separate one, and see what you get. Hey Heather, how are you? Hey Heather. Hey, Heather. Hey, Heather, I mean, or even just put it on a piece of Play-Doh on the floor. Yeah, yeah, because I've always got Play-Doh handy. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> That's my stress reliever. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a valid yeah. experiment to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's so many things in this field that, you know, that's one thing I do like about running the Paranormal Roundtable. They're doing this, you know, being a part of it anyway. Okay. Folks like Steve come in, throw out ideas. Vanessa come in, throw out ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ronnie's got ideas and great thoughts. I, I think there's so many people that are trapped inside that little box of what they do on TV. And, oh, look at this gizmo I bought. $1,200, you can have one too. Why? I I spent 50 cents and I bought a little baggie of bells and they do great. Yeah, Vanessa, yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, investigators and researchers are different from ghost hunters. They just look at what's on TV. I mean, folks like us, I mean, we think outside the box. Right. Like for, yeah. like for this, this is the, uh, the uh, what's it called, theremin device. Just makes musical tones using, you know, frequencies. How stuff. is that working out for you? Because I know when you first, we've saw yeah, you with I, it when you first got it, and I'm sure that you've been able to work with that more since. When when we were doing that ghost tour here at the fort, mm-hmm. where I was up there by myself up in the attic for five hours, I actually plugged this in, and there was no one else in the building except, well, let me back up. There was like four people, two floors below me. Um, and I had to sit in the attic itself, and it kept going off every time I kept seeing a shadow. So I think there's something to it. I'm cool. still trying to document it on mm-hmm. what's setting it off. What, what, um, what would the difference between that theremin and a rembot be? Other than the sound. Well, this one you have to have 
the tennis extended, you bring your hand to it, you're breaking the continuity of the field going around it, so you're changing the tone. Yeah. It's the same thing as more of a, a close, a more sensitive pod. Yeah, but if you do something like this, you're changing the frequency and the pitch. Right. Versus with the pod, it's just picking up a value change at a certain range. Okay. We should do more experience with this. But anyways, you know, it's it's conversations like this, thinking outside the box, that's going to advance this field. Yeah. Vanessa said, do you think that products work better if you combine them with trigger objects? Um, well, part of what you have to consider is, will these products be something that spirit will interact with, or will it be something that's from a hundred years in their future, and they're looking at it going, the fuck is that? I ain't getting that thing. Look at all those little lights on it. That don't look right. I, I don't want to touch that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the location that you're at, the understanding of spirit to what you're using is a must. And you know, when you set out some gadget with a bunch of lights and little silver rods, and we, we've seen them bring out Jacob's ladder and spirits yeah. over there going, uh, "I'm fucking with that." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but true. I think if we let yeah. them know, hey, I, I don't know who you are, but I know you're here. Here's this gadget that I have. Here's what it does. It's not going to harm you. And then you have objects from their time period, trigger items from their time period. I think they could work together. I think they would work as a benefit to each other. But the main thing is, how many times have you seen people go, hey, can you talk to this red light in my hand? Talk to this gadget in my hand. It'll hear you. And they're going, the hell's he? What is that thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, keep in mind, 100 years ago, they thought that a photograph was going to steal your soul. Right. Yeah. Right. And now we're putting shit in front of them and asking them to interact with it. Right. So we have to keep in mind, and I realize you don't know, I mean, granted, I've never had a, a spirit go, it's Britney, bitch. But at the <laughs> same time, I've never had a spirit tell me that it was 1985 either. Right, right. Thanks, so, <laughs> and Thanks, Heather. Yeah. But, Vanessa, yeah, the um, EDI meter does that to an extent. I'm sure there are probably other meters out there. But the EDI, as Vanessa asked, has anyone ever used an object that can detect atmospheric changes such as humidity? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the human pendulum is good, too. That's the best piece of equipment. You and were you hook somebody up to a rope and swing them? No. <laughs> You're using your body as that as that pendulum. I don't, I don't think that'd go too well here in Virginia. Well.
know about stud finders. Someone mentioned to me that they used a stud finder. I'd also, no, I, I don't see how, unless you're standing up against the spirit itself and going across the wall. Yeah. Well, the stud finder, that, that works if you're in a place that has old wiring. Yeah. Because that, that's basically what a K2 meter is. Mm -hmm. To an extent, yes. Um, I can't imagine how a stud finder would work simply because they're they're designed to be a four to six inch depth on a wall because it's not going to do me any good to track this wall right here that I'm going to drill and it's registering shit three feet back. So it has a very weak transmit on it and a very weak receive. So it only registers the wall I'm working on, not away from you. Um, but you know, uh, where did I sit? Pendulums, regular pendulums, not just the human pendulum. Um, you know, if done properly and you know that it's set level and there is zero airflow, I think they're awesome to play with. Um, you know, and if you know how to do it and you set your paper up beneath it that it has a high side on the outside of the swing. That damn stink bug just ran up beside me. <laughs> Pardon me. And then, what the hell is it with stink bugs out of nowhere all of a sudden? Uh, but, what, yeah. Ronnie yeah. can't use a stud bunch. The damn thing never stops going off. <laughs> I like Steve White's idea. I wonder if we could try that. Using a you guitar, know? using a guitarist communication, just laying it and seeing if they could pluck a string. That's not a bad idea. I, I've, got a, I've got electric bass and a nail. Yeah. Yeah, communication, touch a flashlight. That that would be kind of neat. Because yeah. how is it gonna how is it gonna how is it gonna play on its own unless you know somebody's got to think what flies off the court. No, I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. It's a valid point that that guitar is not going to pluck a string by itself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I've been in locations where out of nowhere you'll hear a piano. You'll hear a couple of notes come off the piano, and you know nobody's near it. Yeah. Um, that's an excellent you know, thought. Musical instruments in general, anything that can be plucked or um, yeah. impacted, mm -hmm. you know, tapped, those are wonderful because you can't do it just from vibration. Um, you know, I I love the idea. Yeah, gonna have to try that. That's kind of this cool. We we've yeah. had um, we've had a tone come out of that that old harpsichord there in the manor house. Mm -hmm. It's been a while, but we have had that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so part of the problem. You know, I see Vanessa's comment. I've never understood why people didn't use musical instruments more because you don't see it on TV. Yeah. Right. You've got a bunch of old school jackasses like the four of us that, you know, I've done this for 40 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've tried all of the uh, flower on the floor, and, you know, all of the old school 
Dollar General has a bunch of wind chimes. That would That's be where nice. all those came from. Have a camera set up on it. Mm-hmm. And just kill the AC. Yeah, just kill the AC unit. 
least took lots of vents. Close the door. That's a good idea. Mm. Yeah, Kimberly, I don't think wind chimes would work well on the dock at Old House Woods. Yeah, no. Tina said put a Jenga game up on the table and see if they move the blocks. My luck, I'd find the asshole that nails them like a baseball. Set that up down at the basement, at the cabin. Set it up at the basement and see what Dobby does with them. Never know. Put out little bits of Russian paper. Little finger painting. Yeah. Or an Essa sketch. Well, I, no, I think Essa sketch would be too hard to manifest for movement. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But I like the Essa's idea. Uh, next time you all go to the house next to the cabin, you should put out paints of Russian paper. Just leave it out over there. Um, I've thought about setting up. Uh, an easel and some drawing paper and, uh, you know, just see what happens. And like, put a string, you know, just hang a, a marker by a string on the front of it and see what happens. What if you take a piece of paper and just put the paint on the paper itself? And let them smear or do whatever? Yeah, versus Not a bad you know, idea. using a paintbrush or anything, because you're, you're thinking of them having the energy to item up and make a motion where if it's on a piece of paper they can just lightly move the block. All they have to do is just drag it. Yeah. Well, that's not a bad idea. idea. Not a bad idea. And you know, that's part of what we started. The plan with the cabin on three sixty, that was part of our plan. Um it was going to be a training ground. All these wild ideas that we had just like we're sharing right now, that's what we were gonna do at the cabin. Just see what works, see what gets activity, see what gets response, see what happens. Good idea. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think yeah, and, and that's a you can use that as a control space between the two buildings. Exactly. You can go either in the basement or I know when we were there, I mean I was getting the EVPs in that kitchen. Yeah, I I there is nowhere on that property I haven't got captures. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, but yeah, that would be interesting. Do, it, do the same experiment in both places and see what gets a better res- trigger response. Um, yeah, I mean, I could set up in the log cabin, set the easel up, put some paint on the paper, and do the same thing in the cabin or in the rancher. So, I don't know. That's um, interesting. The camera's bad. Hang a, hang a brush, dip in paint, walk away. Yeah. And Heather, don't feel bad, darling. I've talked about ghosts sometimes and scared myself, too. Is that when yeah. I in the mirror? It was. But you weren't supposed to tell that. Jackass. <laughs> Was that out loud? <laughs> I didn't hear nothing. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, there's so many ideas that, you know, you you won't see on TV, and there's a couple of reasons why. A, I think Vanessa nailed it right off the bat. There's no money to be made in it. Mm-hmm. And B, there's, 
there's only so much time that they're on site at a location. The average TV episode takes about 70 hours of recording time to get you that 27 minutes of airtime. Um, so, you know, 99% of the time, the investigators that you see, um, I, I'll talk about the last show that I was part of. The two investigators there, I bet between the two of them investigated a total of eight hours over a five-day stretch, if even eight hours. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of us, B-roll, interviews, um, history, documentation, et cetera, et cetera. So, but they only did about eight hours of investigating combined. Right. So, and, and, and you can really can't investigate a spot in eight hours and, and say it's haunted. I mean, you have to do it over a long period of time to see if there's a pattern developing. And also, to have them get used to you being there. Uh, all right. So, that one I'm 50-50 on agreeing with you, John. I don't think you have to be there more than eight hours. I've walked in the door at locations and that shit pop off immediately. And I don't think it's always them getting used to you. Sometimes that is the case. It's that theory of familiarity. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you go into a location that just has an asshole in it, yeah. he's going to be the asshole right on the get-go. Right on the bat. Yeah, no, I... So, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think, and I think Heather's got a good point, though. The research usually takes the longest, you know, trying to find out history on a location, what's happened there, um, you know, who has passed there, how did they pass there, you know, things like that. You know, I can go in, I can get contacted from John Doe and be at his house that night and I investigate for six hours, get a buttload of evidence, but none of it really means jack shit if I don't know history on that location, history on that structure, history on his family, her family, whatever the case may be, because it may correlate directly to them versus does it correlate to the property or does it cor uh, correlate to the area? Well, yeah, you have to put it into a context that makes sense to the location. It's just like archaeology. I mean, you can dig something up going, hey, you know, this is neat, but this item means nothing unless you understand the context of where this piece was found. Yeah. No. Oh, look at there. It's a, a 1589 dime. I wonder what the hell that's doing out here on Roanoke Island. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. <laughs> if you don't know, I think if you don't know what Roanoke Island's history is, then yeah. you don't understand the significance of that 1859 time. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and that's if you don't if you don't do your due diligence and you don't research the structure, the family, the area, that piece of land to as tight of a distance as possible then all you're doing is gathering evidence of activity, not a correlation to 
what it has to do with anything. Yep. And you know, there's so many teams that, um, well, I'm the team historian. Oh, really? Well, where do you where do you go to find history? Oh, mostly online. Okay. Where? Oh, I, I look for old news articles and such. Not enough. Not enough. Um, you know, I spent so much time researching the land documents for the Cabin on 360 and the Brick Rancher recited. That little plot of land, I spent so much time, so many days in a row going to the courthouse. The sheriff deputies finally just started waving me through the magnetometer and they didn't even check me anymore. <laughs> And then finally they asked me, what the hell are you researching anyway? I told them. And that was the biggest break I could have gotten because right off the get-go, they're like, you need to wait right here. And they called a captain over that was actually a rookie patrol deputy the day of the murder. Oh, wow. And she came over and then introduced me to a lieutenant, now retired, and they gave me the names. And that's when I started getting the most information. But it was so much time spent, you know, it wasn't just going in and going, well, hi, Mr. Smith, what activity are you encountering? You got footsteps and bangs on the walls and you heard scratching. Oh, a growl, too. Okay, okay. Um, Where do you think it could be? Well, you know, my great aunt twice removed had a daughter that had some sort of syphilis or something, and she kind of spoke with a bit of a growl. Maybe it's her. No. Yeah. No. It, it just, it amazes me how little history most modern investigators will pull and claim that they've done their research. You, you really haven't. Well, it's just, it comes down to laziness. Again, it, you know, it comes down to they don't want to do the actual research, especially in this day and age with this media. They just want the views. Right. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, they're, they're not worried about validation. They're, they're worried about getting views on their, you know, YouTube or whatnot. Yeah. But those are what pays the bills. No, Ronnie. It was conosyphilitis, Ronnie, for Christ's sake. A third of that came from you. I told you to use protection. (laughs) Oh, wow. Now you did it. Yes, sir. For whoever's listening to it that might not know, where all can can you go to get information? Well, go to the local courthouse. Go to the local historical society. Um, if you have a neighborhood association that's been in activity for a long time, nine out of ten before that neighborhood came about, that structure was there when that land was bought by the developer, and they may have already researched that structure before they ever bought the land. Yep. If there's a family cemetery on the property, they have to have all of that information when they buy that land and develop it because they, nine out of 10, have to protect that burial ground. 
So they've done research. They know what burials are there and so forth. It's not always guaranteed because a lot of the times that paperwork just kind of disappears. But that's a, a couple of ideas where you can go. Newspapers.org is a, a great website because you can go back and look at historical newspaper articles beyond 40 years. Um, you know, the, the murder at the Capitol 360 took place in 1979. So if you just go to timesdispatch.com, you're not going to find it. But if you go into newspapers.com or newspapers.org, Dot com, I think, and you buy the membership for their uh, archive section, then it'll take you back, God, a hundred years in the newsprint, and you can look, look through and search it. Another thing is look at local universities or the state universities. Um, I know there is a, what, 200, 185? book series done on all the field notes and everything that were collected after the Civil War. Ohio State University's Records Department has cataloged all of that and put it in digital form. I don't have to go buy 185 books that damn thick anymore. I can go on Ohio State um, University's website and I can look at battles of a particular location. Yep. And you can also go to the National Archives up in D.C. I mean, some yeah. of the stuff that I found here in, at Fort Monroe that the archives here doesn't have, I have to go up to D.C. and look at their archives to see the actual blueprints, the, the maps, the rosters of the Provost Marshal Office, who came and went, and everything else. But they have a good resource online that you can look up information. Yeah, that, you know, there's so many different venues that you can hit for information. Hey, Michaela. Yeah. But it, it comes down to doing the work. Yeah. And it's not going to come easy. I mean, no, none of it does. And a lot of it, unfortunately, in the South, you know, we had Sherman's march to the sea where his policy was going to burn everything. A lot of your courthouses and records and, and those venues were lost. So you may not find anything. And it may end up that you just have to go down the road and find out that Mr. Johnson's 93 years old and still sharp as a tack and has lived there for 87 years. And he knows all about the Jones house just up the street. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we got Miss Dubusk here, you know, the lady that she found our Mitchell map at the museum. She's like a well, God, well over a hundred years old, and she's still sharp as a tack. So people go to her, you know, to find out some of the stuff when it comes to Urbana. I mean, she's just amazing. Yeah, that's you know Matthews County mm-hmm. Courthouse. And, yeah. uh, records were torched. Hanover County, a lot of that. Uh, yeah, you know, Sherman's march to the sea. Um, I mean, they plundered and burned everything they got hold of. So there was so much Hi, information missing. Hi, Austin. Uh, but there's still a lot of information available out there, just not as much as there could be. And it just takes a little yeah. more legroom and effort to find it. 
right. Hey, Austin. Doc 
locale or outfits and doing an EVP session. You know, that, that's like a sacred ground. Was his last name Hop? No. I, I was <laughs> going right there with you, Dave. Oh, I well, look, but anyway, I've got no problem with what he does. The way that he sensationalizes it, though, I think is, yeah. the, that's the lack of moral ethics that he suffers, and that's him. Yeah. You know, when Betty White died, he was the first one to go, ah, I got her on a spirit box. Or the queen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have no problem with him doing that. But you keep it a little more monkey. Don't be an asshole about it. Right. And yeah, Kimberly, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I usually figure those two differences out right after I have him. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of like, you know, Probably shouldn't say that. Oh, shit, you said that. <laughs> I mean, I got into an argument on a guy on TikTok, a private message, who wanted to do EVPs at an old abortion clinic. Exactly. And it's like, I mean, he wanted to do EVPs in an abortion clinic. Yeah. What are you going to capture? I mean, now granted, during abortion, there were probably mothers or expectant mothers that lost their lives. Right, but it's, it's again, it's one of those sacred places, in my mind, you know, one, what, what's the purpose? What are you going to gain from it, from at least a scientific point of view? And two, I mean, that's just, I, I don't know, I just, I, I told him he was an idiot. I thought that was good. I, I thought that that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But one, I don't see why you would want to. And two, I don't see what you would be expecting to get. Because I don't. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I. It's been you know a long time since I was a fetus, but I didn't have the ability to answer a fucking EVP question. I know that. <laughs> This is the mentality of this new generation that's coming up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a sensational thing. Look how many views I got on my YouTube. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I stopped the investigation at the because we discovered some truth or whatever. Yeah, and Heather, I I give you kudos on that. Vanessa, I give you kudos as well on the the babies there in Ireland. You know, that one I remember us talking about that a couple of years ago and yeah, you know Yeah. there are some things that you know, as Kimberly said, you know, poor taste and no coof. Exactly. Um you know, and I think
Hello, all you freaks out there. This is Ryan, and I am joined by Angie over here. You can say hi. Hi. <laughs> there we go. He does not want to be on camera, so he's going to be commentating on the articles that we are reading. That RJ with her too, so he's going to be commentating as well. You can go to Sissy. That's fine. You can go to Sissy. So tonight is a little bit different. Um, Usually I'll start the month out with Supernatural News, but since we had actually had a guest on last week, um, I figured I'd just do Supernatural News tonight. Um, Next week, I'm going to be joined by April Roan. She's going to be doing live readings tomorrow, not tomorrow night, next week. Um, so that was, that'll be a lot of fun. She does a very good job with that. She's great. And she read you. Yeah. Yeah. She did a good job. We haven't had her on in well more than a year, so it's nice to Aww. nice to have her back. And then um, like on the fifteenth, we'll have Christina Rake, Bishop Christina Rake, coming on the show to talk about religion and the paranormal. And then two days after that, we have Tracy Ann. 
coming on to talk about her paranormal journey. So we got this next few weeks is going to be chock full of fun times here. Yes. On the freaking awesome paranormal show. So I figured we start the month off or the year off actually. Year number nine of being freaky. January 2014 is when I, we started the show way back in the day. Nine years. Can you believe that? Long time. I know. Next year we'll be celebrating our 10th anniversary. That's pretty exciting. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't think I'd be doing this for 10 years, that's for sure. And I, I haven't made it, I haven't made it, I didn't think I was going to do it for a month. I thought it'd be done. Why? I don't know. I just didn't think I, I would be, I would be good at it. Or I think I would, it, it became, it became like a, uh, it just became something that's just, like if I don't do it, I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, I know. You know? I mean, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to you guys. Whoever is actually watching this right now, zero, zero viewers. That's okay. I'm all about the listens. So I'm going to go ahead and cold it here. Man. It's not cold. Feels good. As I drink uh, ice cold, bubbly Bublé. water. Bubbly. All right. So the first article that I'm going to read tonight or go over tonight with you guys is from the mirror. <laughs> Mur, look at this. Look. Actually, you smashed it down on camera, but see? Little green. Anybody who actually wants to watch the show later? There it is. There it is. All right. This is from the mirror. It is a, a British, I believe it's a tabloid magazine. Yes. It is definitely like a, a smut. So like the, the Inquirer is here? Yeah. yeah. So it's so high-quality journalism here that we're going to be going over tonight on the Freaking Off and Paranormal show. I'm making noise. Pay no attention to me. I'm hungry. So a psychic Brit, I'm assuming a Brit, someone from Britain, not someone named Brit, but a psychic Brit saw dead hamster spirit rise from its body in paranormal encounter. Oh, my. Tell you what. This is written by Adam Toms and Charlotte Halls. Two people had to write this article. A woman claimed she saw her dead hamster spirit rise up from his body in a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre paranormal event that changed everything. Bizarre. bizarre. <laughs> it was surely bizarre paranormal event that changed everything. Everything. Not just something. All of it. All of it was changed. Helen Elwood, who claims to be slightly psychic, only with hamsters, apparently, believes she saw the ghost of her friend's dead hamster rise from its body after he died in her... <coughs> the hamster's coming out to haunt me for making fun of it. Hands when she was younger. I just died in your hands tonight. That's not nice. Or hamster. Must have been something she said. The occupational therapist, 64, from Derby, 
explained in Derbyshire Dur- Live that the spooky event changed everything for her, and now she believes in an afterlife after having once been very skeptical. It was it was one dead hamster. Changed it all. This looks like an all dogs go to heaven thing. All hamsters go to heaven. She believes in a hamster afterlife, but not for us. <laughs> she told the publication, we all wonder where our pets go when they die and whether we'll ever see them again. I don't. What? Is my dead, That's not nice. dead goldfish. I don't want my, season, my fish again. I had, I had a dog. My dad had a dog named Sadie that died when I was younger, but I never thought about it going to heaven. Really? No. Not that I, not that I didn't, wouldn't want to see it. Rainbow see her. That's what the dogs call the rainbow bridge. The rainbow bridge. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll see Sadie. Across I had several the, dogs cross the rainbow bridge. I've only had, I've had, well, Chester. That was way ours. What? Chester, but she, he's still alive. I was going to say. Eventually. He'll cross the rainbow bridge. As a youngster, I would have said, they go nowhere. I was skeptical of everything spiritual and terrified of death. You continue. There were no angels to care for us, and heaven was a fairy tale. That all changed when my friend's hamster, Beryl, died in my hands. Seeing her soul rise from her body changed everything. She was in my arms. I knew she was dying. Well, then, what is the hamster, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about putting hamsters in your arms. They're like this big. They're not that big. Maybe she was cuddling it. Like a hospice thing for the tire, for the hamster? You know what? <laughs> Before then, I had no belief system. It was all nonsense, nonsense as far as I was concerned. But suddenly... Beryl's body became fractionally lighter, and a hamster-shaped sort of dark mist began to rise, began rising up. Would have had little little wings on it and a halo, like those cartoons when like like if someone dies and the, then the the angel comes up and he's playing the harp. Yeah. So we were watching the Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The 64-year-old who has documented her, documented her paranormal experiences in the book Love, Death, and Beyond said that she initially ignored what she might have seen. I couldn't believe what I saw, what I, what I could see, because I didn't even believe humans had souls, let alone hamsters. I was stunned and so dis- dismissed it initially as a trick of the light. It was just too strange. However, it's not the only paranormal experience that Helen has experienced over the years. What? I know, right? She explained this whole hamster thing opened up a new, whole new, a whole new world. It happened. Of paranormal experiences. As a teenager, I had clairvoyant dreams. I dismissed every one of them because I was afraid of being thought of of as crazy and ridiculed. My dad was a Christian, and my mom was an my dad was a Christian, and my mom was an atheist. Interesting. Interesting uh, household. I denied it within myself, even though my dreams were coming true. I had repeated visions, for example, that a friend of mine was in trouble by a road. I contacted her by post, and she told me that she had been by a road after a bike accident. She told me that she had been by a road after a bike accident. Where where do you take bikes? On the road? Biking? 
I mean, that's kind of like, I don't know. Then by road. I guess I, I guess I read it right. He continues, in another, I was visited by my uncle who had died. When he came to me in my dreams, I didn't know he had passed away and was told he had died the next day. And this, I'm wondering, is all this happening before he had the experience with a with dead hamster? I think so. So all this stuff was happening, and that wasn't enough. But a hamster dies, and she thinks she might have seen something, and that pushed her over the edge. I mean, you never know. Hey, whatever it takes, man. I am, you know, whatever it takes. The occupational therapist went on to detail how these bizarre events helped helped open her mind to the possibility of an afterlife. This has led me to accepting a bigger world, a wider world, and accepting that I was part of it, he said, she said. These experiences are also really common. I spoke to, to a veterinary, veterinarian nurse, veterinary nurse who told me loads of people have these experiences. The hamster experiences? I guess because talk, she's talking to a veterinarian. That is the reason why I wrote my book. Some people, for instance, feel their dead cat jump on the bed or hear their dog's tail wagging. I'm not an extraordinary person. I'm an, I'm an ordinary person who has written it down. Also, Christmas is a time when people think of who they've lost, of those they've lost. True. True. She added, she used to have a fear of death before recently collapsing with heart failure. After that, I've had my beliefs changed. It's really helped me, and I'm less afraid than I would have been. I was able to take some deep breaths and pray, even though for no specific religion, it's given me courage, and I want to share that with other people. You can find Helen's book on Amazon. Ooh. So it was really neat she had that experience with the hamster. You know, I did poke fun a little bit, but that was just, you know, having fun. I think um, whatever it takes to feed, open up your mind to the um, existence of the paranormal. Just to be more open. Yeah. Too, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's cool. I mean, if you're able to see something like that happen, even if it's like to a bug, you see a little little tiny bug soul go up into their heaven, that'd be fun to see. Story of Helen Elwood and her paranormal journey. Next, we go back across to the U.S., and we talk about Stormy Daniels. That's a good name. Yeah, Stormy, Stormy Daniels. Sounds like a uh, name of a weather person. Sounds like it should be a drink. Yeah, this, can I have a Stormy Daniels, please? Like, uh, it's got a Jack Daniels in it. Well, what, what else would you put? Dark in it? rum. Dark. That sounds good. Dark rum and Jack Maybe Daniels? Coke. Yeah. Yeah, they got something to like. Well, dark and stormy. Is like, isn't Coke. that dark rum, spiced rum, and something else? Yeah, well, it's got to be dark rum. They has got to have Jack Daniels in it, too. So dark rum, Jack Daniels, and the what? Hmm? And what? Then Coke would be enough to, to offset like, the taste? Yeah, like some Coke and maybe a splash of Kahlua. <laughs> that would be a Stormy Daniels. That's like the dark cloud in it? Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know if I want to drink that. Although it would be fun to order a Stormy Daniels. 
Show Me Daniel says, non-human thing with tentacles haunted former home. This is by Jamie Burton, written on Ju- uh, June, November 9th, 2022. Show Me Daniels has opened up on her paranormal experiences, claiming that a very narc, narc, <laughs> very narc, very dark, non-human thing with tentacles haunted her home. She also claimed the spirit broke items, infected her health, and the mental health of her then-boyfriend, Daniels, 43, is an adult film actress and oh director best known for being involved in legal dispute with Donald Trump. She had claimed she had an affair with him and was pushed to pay hush money to keep her silent. Trump, 76, has always denied the affair. <laughs> Daniels, real name Stephanie Gregory Clifford, probably by the name of Stephanie Gregory Clifford, appeared on the podcast Ghost Magnet with Bridget McCarty, hosted by the former Playboy star. On it, the ghost discussed the ghost. The guest discussed her intense experiences with the paranormal, which began when she moved into a 200-year-old house in the Garden District of New Orleans in 2019. Daniels began by saying she had hired two mediums to come to her house who informed her there were multiple entities in the house. Daniels proceeded to describe them to McCart, 49. So she moves into this 200-year-old house. It's a good age. Yeah. It's it's got a nice little age to it. It's like a wine. Yeah. This gets finer. And it it comes with three ghosts. Do, 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 do. Multiple entities. Definitely one very, very dark, non-human thing with these tentacles. And that's what I caught on camera in a Shadow Max's guitar. It just snaps it in one half, in half one day, sitting on the stand. Did not like him at all, or his music, maybe. Yeah, nice. What a different song. I'm done. God, I'm play Skinner anymore. One is a woman who lost a child and blamed herself. If I stood in a certain spot in the kitchen, I, I would just cry. And like a couple of people like said, like I put, let me take a sip of my bubbly here. Recharge. Buble, honey. Ah, buble. The buble. No calories, no sweeteners. That's not us. And like a couple of people said, it felt like she was cutting herself. That's depressing. Yeah. The final spirit Daniels described was felt by a medium whom she talked to over Zoom. The house... The medium or the ghost? Are they making Zoom appointments now? I mean, it'd be cool, pretty cool if you could talk to ghosts through Zoom. I mean, I'm down. The house will put, like, a camp, we'll put, like, a phone in there in, like, the basement of the, the brick rancher. We'll come back. We'll dial the phone number up and just... Talk to him, do a do a uh, Zoom call with a ghost. I think it's a brilliant idea. You gotta hope they do, the ghost actually answers the call. <laughs> the final spirit Daniel described was felt by a medium whom she talked to over Zoom. And, okay, so the medium. I'm just assuming the house is partially furnished, and there's a very old mirror upstairs that I used to always like feel like someone was watching me. It was kind of a protective feeling, she said. Daniels confirmed the medium, confirmed the medium knew about the mirror without seeing it and could describe its look. She continued, and they're like made up in that mirror. 
she was a lady of the night, and she identifies with you because you're a sex worker, and she's very protective of any man who gets in bed in that bed with you. Daniel's. So, she, what are they watching? Is she watching them get get their freak on? No. I mean, she was a lady of the night, so maybe she's a bit of a freak herself. An old 1800s freak. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know when she was a freak. Might have been 1900s. I don't know. Daniel's, because the house has been there for 200 years. I guess they had ladies of the night, ladies of the night in the 1900s. Uh, Daniels went on to describe went on to describe how the strange happenings in the house started to ramp up over time, affecting not just her but also the partner she was living with. The guy who was living with me at the time, we started fighting. He got real mean. Aww. I know, right? I wonder if their spirits were affecting him. Would say horrible things to me for no reason, then escalated to him putting his hands on me, which uh-huh. had never happened when we lived together. Oh yeah, blame the ghost for that. Uh-huh. In our previous place, and then he was gone. When Daniels was left alone in the house, she said she installed cameras that caught shadows of things moving in the house. Eventually, when her lease was up and she was preparing to leave, the house got aggressive. You're going nowhere. I started having these headaches, and my hair was falling out, and my pictures of me with blood coming out of my ears. Then stuff would, instead of something just moving or tapping, fly at me. You could feel the hostility in the house. After her boyfriend moved out of the property, Daniel said she had not spoken to him since. The full episode of Ghost Magnet with Bridget McCart, titled Stormy Daniel's Haunted New Orleans House and Spooky Dolls, is online and available to listen to now. McCart is also the co-host of Girls Next Level podcast alongside fellow ex-playmate Holly Madison. Okay. Not that has to do with our conversation, but I it's like just, uh, well, yeah. many of the conversations lift lid on their on the inner workings of the Playboy Mansion when Hugh Hefner was alive. The pair also discussed what it was like being one of his girlfriends. Riveting conversations, although combining the two themes of her podcast, McCart was. Previously said she was visited by the ghost of Hefner, who died at age 91 in 2017. Okay. So, the ghost of Hefner, of Hef, is visiting. Hef is partying it up. Bridget. McCart. So, check out her podcast. Like, did Robert, have a girl up? Stormy Daniels? No, Bridget. Uh, I like Bridget. No. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's not, oh, okay. oh, that's not Bridget right there. Uh-huh. Let's see here. Next article. Go back to the mirror here. This one is this one is Dog Walker spots demon ghost crawling across haunted 
Patton Park. Now, I've seen this video before, and it is very – Let me see. I'll just second play it. Hopefully it works so I can play it for you guys because it's an interesting video. I'll read the article, see if I can get to get it to play. Did that read this article before? A dog walker claims she captured the footage of a demon ghost crawling across the path in an infamous haunted national trust. Haunted National Trust Country Park. So shocking that its former has turned a skeptical husband to a believer. Hannah and Dave Rowett were walking their Labradors through the supposedly haunted forest in Columbia Park, Nottinghamshire, around 6.30 a.m. earlier this month when the mom felt they weren't alone. The 52-year-old quickly pulled out her phone and captured a scary white silhouette crossing the path in front of her as she follows it with a torch. Upon watching it back, she turned to Dave, almost 52, and said, I've just seen a ghost. One of the National Trust's most visited country parks, Columbia Park, is claimed to be haunted by a female spirit called Grey, called Grey Lady. He was reportedly been seen wearing a long gray cloak. She since described it. She since described that it appears to be a demonic figure crawling on its long limbs and is desperate to show their, her evidence with the world. Paranormal skeptic Dave admits his hair stood up on end when he saw it, and that it's convinced him to believe in ghosts. The clip was originally a live photo where successive plans, frames were joined to make a short video, but Hannah had converted, but Hannah had had it converted so she could share it on Facebook. It is not racked up more than. 500 reactions and almost 2,000 comments, which which spooked out users, labeling it scary, and weren't even joking. Sites are always booked up. Hannah, who says she's always sensed things, claims she has no logical explanation for the experience, as the pub and restaurant owners don't smoke or vape. Aunt Hannah, Hannah from Workshop Nottinghamshire, said initially, I thought it was a dog, but then as, as I look at it more, the human, look, look at it, it's more of a human-type form. Dave was still getting one of the dogs out of the car, and I just sensed I wasn't on my own. Photo, and as it did, it went across the camera. It's quite demonic in the way it's crawling, and it, it has long limbs, it never changes its form. If it was if it was smoke, it would change. I followed it with my torch, watched it back, then turned to Dave and said, "I've just seen a ghost. I've got on camera. I don't feel. I didn't feel scared. When I sense things, I always get my camera out because you don't always see things with the naked eye. That's why I caught it. I think it's an incredible image, but I wanted to I wanted to share it. The kids were blown away by it when they saw it." I've had so many messages about it. It justifies our feelings about it. There are many like this out there, and we've got no logical explanation. So it just keeps on going, talking about what they saw. Didn't get the video to load. Let me see if I can find it on YouTube. Let me look up YouTube. Let's see. 
Dog Video. Where is it? Here it is. All right. Let's take a look at the video here. You see it? I mean, why did a kangaroo cross the road? That'd be good for the soldier. I don't know. So what do you think? I mean, it's compelling, especially if you don't smoke. And if you, if, even if you did smoke, it wouldn't be that, that small of a of a bit of smoke there. I don't know. I am definitely going to keep an open mind with that. Let's see. Let's find. Let's talk about the witch camp, shall we? Oh, that's oh, there goes witch camp. Witch camps are where hundreds of elderly women are left to die. The days of rich trials are often assumed long gone, but that's not the case for many places in the world. Women, primarily in Africa, are still accused of witchcraft today and suffered horrendous punishment as a result. Punishment as a result. It's particular particular particularly prevalent in Ghana, where belief in witches is deeply ingrained in the culture and stems back hundreds of years because of local belief. Elderly women are the most likely to be accused of witchcraft. It starts with a simple accusation, sometimes from someone close to them. Amnesty International West Africa researcher Michelle Eakin told Newsweek. So that's that's the thing, man. You could you could just say, "Hey, I believe this person is was is practicing witchcraft," and then that's all it takes. That's what I guess that's what happened during the like, Salem witch trials. You get enough people to accuse someone of of um, practicing witchcraft, and it's on the person to prove their innocence, not on the people to prove they did it. <sighs> The issue is persistent because of local beliefs. Elderly women are the most likely to be accused of witchcraft. Or that part already. It can be because someone died in the village and they're accused of being responsible. Yeah, someone just dies of natural causes. And, oh, it must have been her because she's old. Or tragically, the, or tragically, the accusation can come from someone who has a debt to repay and does not want to pay it back or someone 
He wants their house or goods. So pretty much it could happen at any time. Any you know if for any reason at all. You're like, Oh well, I don't like this person, but so I'm gonna accuse her of, of being a witch. Even though these people have known this person their your whole their whole life, never had anything bad to say about them. That one person says, well, she's a witch, and everyone turns against the, them. Well, okay, well, this person says she's a witch, so she must be. Uh, Aiken said those accused are often beaten, some to death. Witch camps. In Ghana, there are hundreds of, hundreds of witch camps, places of refuge for survivors accused of witchcraft. The witch camps are camps those which the witch camps are camps those who who survive are forced to flee to. Either they go there after an accusation. What in the world is this on this person's finger? Um after an accusation after an accu I'm sorry, it's all like an ad it had these weird tentacle things on someone's finger. Either they go there after an accusation because they fear for their lives or they are exposed, rejected by the community after an accusation. There are hundreds of them in there are hundreds hundreds of them in witch camps. So again, you're living a life, living this village your whole life, everything's fine. And then someone accuses you of being a witch. The community turns against you because of this accusation, and then you're forced to flee, or you're almost beaten to death. Leo Igwe, an anti-witchcraft activist at the Humanist Global Charity, who has visited the camps many times, told Newsweek that the conditions the victims suffer are deplorable. There's no electricity and adequate housing, no welfare program for the aged and non-income-earning persons. Many who are there are elderly women. They cannot work. They live in huts and makeshift shelters, Igwe said. They depend on food items their relatives or charity organizations occasionally send to them. Some relatives bring the victims and abandon them there. They never return. They never come or visit to supply food. These people end up dying of hunger, disease, and lack of care. Charities such as the Humanist Global Charity work with those in the witch camps to teach crucial skills like hygiene and basic science. In particular, they're taught about common diseases such as malaria, tuberculosis, typhoid fever, and HIV. Bako Al-Hassan, Project's coordinator for Humanist Global Charity in the northern region of Ghana, has undertaken projects such as this, as such as this, of the accusations that lead to the banishing of these vulnerable women to seek refuge at the witch sanctuary is as a result of lack of basic scientific knowledge. The people in the region still, con- still consider some human deaths as caused through supernatural powers, Baco told Newsweek. There is a very long, strong belief in African traditional religion, which has to do with the use of consultation of spirits to the salvages of their problems. For instance, when a, kid is, when a kid is vaccinated with polio vaccine in this modern times and the side effects react in the body, they, they conclude that, it's, that it is witchcraft. When a child gets sick, mostly in the village, they do not 
go to the Mayor's Clinic, they first of all consider these local herbs which are not scientifically proven. The most tragic part is when the child dies, the family members will visit a doctor, witch doctor to foretell the cause of the death. Accusations and beliefs in Ghana are huge and multifaceted, meaning there is no simple solution according to Igwe. It has health, economic, political, social, and gender dimensions. First of all, it is, a, it is a health issue and manifests by showing how many Africans interpret health issues, including illness and death, she said, or he said. Faced with illness that is incurable, incurable or, or one that people cannot afford to cure, witchcraft narratives are used to make sense of this misfortune. Igwe said that witchcraft provides a casual explanation a causal explanation for such issues in a, in a region with weak health infrastructure and limited medical experts. You migrate to the re, to the West for better pay. Fusation persists, and many may continue until there is a significant improvement on the health infrastructure. Yeah, they've been they've been believing this for hundreds of years, probably more than that, you know, what's going to make them stop believing what their culture has believed for so long, unless they want to open their mind up to different possibilities. On the economic side, witchcraft is linked to economic distress, struggle over scarce resources such as land, and cash crops, power, and leadership. It had a social dimension because often those who are weak, social, cultural positions are often most affected. Exiled. Hardly any of the women living in which camps ever go back to their communities. The government has previously tried to shut down these settlements in an effort to dismantle the stigma placed on these women and, re- and reintroduce them to their communities. But Igwe said this was a problematic solution and leaves the women without a, ref- without a refuge. So, yeah, this girl, this lady was accused of being a witch, kicked out of her village, sent to this camp, in the witchcraft camp, and then they're like, well, just have her come back to the village. I mean, how is she, how is she going to do that? Does Forced reintegration has been problematic and has recorded limited success. Some who were forced to return have reported relocation to other camps or to other places where they could find refuge. They should stop the process of closing down the camps because the camps are not the problem, she said. Witchcraft accusation is the problem. The government should focus on tackling and ending witchcraft accusations in the communities. They provide health care centers in the communities and affordable and accessible health care programs. The Ghana witch camps are not the only example of modern-day witchcraft accusations. In other parts of Africa, there have been state-sponsored witch hunts. Former Gambia, Gambia President Yahya Jamey held a strong belief in supernatural activities and ordered a state-sponsored witch hunt across the country in hopes to purge it all across the country. In hopes to across the country, in hopes to purge it of witches. The last witch hunt raged 
2008 to 2009. Victims were affected from all over the country, most of them elderly citizens. People accused of witchcraft were forced to drink a concoction and often got sick or died from it. The people who were accused of various, for various reasons, sometimes it aligned with Jim May's belief. For example, he encouraged witch hunting after his aunt died because he thought she was killed by a witchcraft. For the president of a cunt of Nam- Nambia decided that he was going to rid the country of witches. And this was like 2009. I cannot guarantee there are no more accusations of witchcraft in Gambia now. We have not worked on the subject recently, but if there is, it is not as sponsored as it was during Jemmy's time. During that time, Jemmy's government encouraged witch hunting, which is not the case with the current government. Equally believes health, ec- health education is key in tackling the go- globally, issue globally, but the West needs to take notice. Globally, the, the world has been different because unlike COVID-19, witchcraft accusations does not affect the world, Western world. The victims are mainly Africans and non-Westerners. Hence, global, globally ending witch persecution in Africa is not a priority. The rest of the world should discard the anthropological notion that witchcraft accusation fulfills some useful function in Africa and for Africans, equally continued. This is a wicked position in disposition that this decision that has until recently guided the United Nations and other in, international agencies. Witchcraft accusation, witchcraft accusation is a wild and destructive phenomenon. The world needs to approach witchcraft persecution in Africa with the urgency that it deserves. All hands must be on deck to make rich hunting in Africa history by 2030. Whew. Wow. Well, that was a mouthful. And it's very sad that um, that this is going on still. It's happening. And it's like, like stuff happening in Africa, it's like people don't. Angie's over there doing talking to uh, Apple about her about her uh, packages. Anyways, so it's something that people need to take notice of. And it seems like when stuff happens over there, and nobody really takes notice of it. And um, so I'm gonna I'll share the article with you guys so you can read it for yourselves, and maybe you can raise awareness for the plight of the people over there. Because <clears throat> you talk about the same old witch trials and everything that happened over here. And like, well, that's, that's man. I'm glad we, we're, you know, beyond that. But apparently they're not beyond that over there. And I can, like, imagine you're just sitting here, you're minding your own business. And someone just accuses you of being a witch. And people are like, oh, maybe she is a witch. Maybe he is. Maybe he is a witch, man. Yeah, he did some weird stuff and stuff that he thought was completely normal before. All of a sudden, it's like, well, yeah, man. I've I've always felt weird about this person, and then 
either you go on trial, you get beaten, or, you know, like the best thing when you get thrown out of the village. Then you get thrown out of the village, and you got to go to live in this camp where there's no health care, there's nothing, there's no barely any food. You have to depend on the charity of other, you know, other people, and, you know, it's really sad. Anyways, it is not quite ready for the show to be over with, but that was a long article, and I don't think I can read any more tonight, so I'm going to go ahead and end the show. Right. Thank you guys, whoever watched it, for tuning in. I appreciate it. We'll be back next week with April Roan doing live readings from 9 to 10 p.m. Hope you guys have a great night. Talk to you soon. Same freaking awesome time. Same freaking awesome channel. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.